By the spring of 1917, World War I had consumed Europe for nearly three years. In that time, the continent had known nothing but death and destruction, unlike ever before. While some Portuguese men found themselves fighting for survival in the trenches of France and Germany, at home, the horrors of war were merely headlines in the newspapers. In Fatima, Portugal, 10-year-old Lucia dos Santos and her two young cousins, Francisco and Jacinta Marto, spent their days tending to their family's flock of sheep. For them, the morning of May 13, 1917, began like any other, but their lives were about to change forever. Around noon, the three children made their way to the fields of Cova da Iria, a small pasture just outside of the town. As they lingered in a meadow, suddenly they were blinded by a bright light. Once their eyes slowly focused, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta fell to their knees in awe. Floating before them was a lady cloaked in white, brighter than the sun. When the children asked who this woman was and why she was there, she responded that she was Our Lady and that she had been sent from heaven to deliver a message. That message was given in the form of visions and prophecies, predictions of more death and more destruction on a global scale. Though Our Lady promised that the Great War ravaging Europe would soon come to an end, that didn't mean the world was safe from another conflict, a war that could bring about the end of days. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. Normally, we take things story by story, conspiracy by conspiracy. But in these four episodes, we're doing something a little different. We're going to explore the secrets of the Vatican, one of the oldest and most influential organizations in the world, and one of the most mysterious. In this episode, we'll reveal the three secrets of Fatima, a series of prophetic visions which predicted World War II, the spread of communism, and the possible end of the world. Next time, we'll conclude our special four-part series with a dive into the mysteries surrounding the assassination attempt on Pope John Paul II. Coming up, three Portuguese children receive prophetic visions that take the Catholic world by storm. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great. 
and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. If you're interested in crazy stories from the wild world of organized crime, scams, gangs, cartels, mafias, drug dealers, and everything fun like that, have we got a podcast for you. The Underworld Podcast is hosted by two conflict journalists, Danny Gold and Sean Williams, who have reported on all sorts of dangerous people in dangerous places. Every week, they bring you a new episode on international organized crime from a new corner of the globe. You can find the Underworld Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Apparitions are nothing new in religion. Throughout history, there have been tales of everyday men and women being visited by a god or goddess. And during the visits, they're often given a prophecy or a vision. Christianity is no different. The prophets of the Old Testament, Christ visiting Saul on the road to Damascus, Emperor Constantine on the eve of battle— Such visions change not only the course of Christianity, but world history. For thousands of years, these supposedly supernatural appearances have given us a glimpse into the possibilities of the future. But what if an apparition delivered a message so destructive, so earth-shattering, that the Vatican decided to bury it for decades? Lucia Dos Santos and her cousins, Francisco and Jacinta Marto, were born and raised in a small village on the edge of Fatima, Portugal. Far removed from urban life, the three young kids grew up in a farming community described as poor, simple, and humble, yet hardworking and spiritual. Lucia and her cousins seemed destined to spend their days in the fields of Fatima, tending to the family farm. The three children had no idea that their destiny involved a much higher calling. The first time Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta were allegedly visited by an apparition was in the spring of 1916. While the three children were tending to their sheep, a man appeared before them, bathed in a bright light. He told them that he was the angel of peace, and that God had plans for them. The angel claimed that God watched over the children and listened to their prayers. He was well aware of the sacrifices they were making. 
The angel then taught them a new prayer, which asked God to forgive and pardon the sinners and non-believers of the world. It was simple and short, and when he finished, he disappeared. Throughout the rest of the year, the angel supposedly appeared two more times. And with each visit, the three children were more prepared for their godly mission. However, the mission itself still remained unknown. That is, until May 13, 1917. At around noon, an apparition, who became known as Our Lady, allegedly appeared before Lucia and her cousins while they were watching their flock. She asked them if they were willing to sacrifice everything as an act of reparation for the conversion of sinners. Deeply faithful, the children said yes without hesitation. Once they agreed, Our Lady invited them to return to this spot on the 13th of every month. When Our Lady disappeared, Lucia told her cousins to keep everything they'd seen and heard a secret. However, Jacinta, the youngest, was too excited. She told her mother what had happened, and word quickly spread throughout the village. Many believed that the children were either making the whole thing up, or worse, being tempted by the devil. However, some believe that the children were telling the truth. And on June 13th, when the children returned to Cova de Iria, a small crowd followed to witness for themselves. All they saw, though, was the children fall to their knees in prayer. Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta were treated to a much grander vision. Our Lady returned to them. The children asked for a sign to help the rest of the townspeople believe what was happening. Our Lady promised that on October 13th, she would reveal herself to everyone. But Our Lady also had more somber news to share. She declared that the three children would all join her in heaven, but at very different times. Jacinta and Francisco would come soon, while Lucia remained on earth as God's servant. As the children grappled with that revelation, Our Lady vanished once more. Though the townspeople didn't receive definitive proof on that occasion, curiosity about the apparitions only increased. The next month, an even bigger crowd gathered to watch the children supposedly speak with the heavenly vision. As it turned out, this third appearance was the most important. On July 13, 1917, Our Lady reportedly showed the children a series of apocalyptic visions. She warned that the premonitions spelled out humanity's doom if they refused to heed her words. This was obviously major news. However, Our Lady told the children to keep the information to themselves for the time being. She would let them know when the world was ready to hear the dire message. These hidden prophecies became known as the Three Secrets of Fatima. Lucia and her cousins kept their word to remain silent. Still, this third visitation only increased the excitement among the community. As fall arrived, the countryside eagerly awaited the sign that had been promised months earlier. 
October 13th was the day Our Lady claimed she would give a sign to the masses. And when that day came, between 70,000 and 100,000 people braved the rain and mud to bear witness to the forthcoming sign. At noon, she appeared once more to the children. However, this time she wasn't alone. By her side were Joseph and the child Jesus. It was only then that the children realized that they had been visited by the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. The children gazed upon Mary in awe. Then Lucia turned and pointed toward the cloudy sky. She shouted to the people to look at the sun. At that moment, the clouds disappeared and the rain stopped. Suddenly, the sun began to tremble and change colors. Then, impossibly, it danced around in the sky in a zigzag formation. And then, it changed course and appeared to careen down towards Earth, as if it was going to crash down on top of them. Men, women, and children fell to their knees, praying and confessing their sins. They believed that the world was going to end right then and there, that the sun was about to destroy them all. Then, without warning, the sun halted, and as it did, everything suddenly became dry. The ground was no longer muddy, clothing was no longer wet. It was as if it hadn't rained a single drop that day. The inexplicable event became known as the miracle of the sun, and within days, word spread throughout all of Portugal. In the hundred years since the miracle of the sun, Scientists have asserted that it is physically impossible for the sun to change its position or orbit. If the sun did dance around, it would have meant the extinction of all life on Earth. Instead, scientists have offered up theories that perhaps the changing weather created a kind of optical illusion, or perhaps the people just stared into the sun for too long. Regardless, The miracle of the sun only confirmed to the faithful and to many skeptics that Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta had actually received a message from the Virgin Mary. Now, it was only a matter of time before it could be revealed to the masses. Unfortunately, Mary was correct in predicting that Lucia would travel that road alone. In 1919, Francisco died at the age of 10. A year later, nine-year-old Jacinta passed as well. Both were victims of the Spanish flu. Despite losing her cousins, Lucia remained devoted to her calling, waiting for permission to reveal the secrets Mary gave her. However, it wasn't easy. In the years that followed, Lucia became a celebrity in the region. When she eventually became a nun in the mid-1920s, she lived under a pseudonym to avoid attention. Only her superiors knew her true identity. Between 1925 and 1930, now Sister Lucia was supposedly visited by the Virgin Mary on numerous occasions. On two of those occasions, Mary was said to have instructed Sister Lucia on how to form and spread the first Saturday devotion. Catholic devotions are proclamations of piety and love to God or saints, usually done outside of Mass. For example, reciting the rosary is considered a devotion. 
The purpose of the first Saturday devotion was to atone and heal the sins that people had committed against the Virgin Mary. In the mid-1930s, Sister Lucia felt that the time was right to begin revealing what had happened to her 20 years earlier. And by the end of the decade, she had written and published two volumes of her memoirs. But it wasn't until 1941, at the request of the Bishop of Leria Fatima, that Sister Lucia decided to reveal the most consequential information, what exactly she and her cousins saw on July 13, 1917. After nearly 25 years, the time had come to reveal the secrets of Fatima. Coming up, we'll uncover the first two secrets. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from Parcast. When you think of a criminal, do you picture a killer, a gangster, a thief? I bet you didn't think it could be the little old lady down the street who murdered her tenants. Every Wednesday on my series, Female Criminals, meet the unlikeliest of felons, mothers, neighbors, and unsuspecting lovers with a penchant for dangerous behavior. Discover the psychology and motives behind their disturbing crimes and find out where their story stands today. But that's not all. Airing right now on Female Criminals is our special five-part look at the world's most infamous femme fatales, women who were deceptive and deadly, but not always the villain. Catch these episodes and more by following the Spotify original from Parcast, Female Criminals. New episodes premiere weekly. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. For six months in 1917, the Virgin Mary supposedly came to three Portuguese children and shared with them a series of messages and visions. Within two years, two of the children died from the Spanish flu, and the remaining witness, Sister Lucia dos Santos, carried the visions in secrecy. But in August 1941, she finally divulged to the world what everyone came to know as the secrets of Fatima. According to Sister Lucia, the first secret was straightforward but terrifying. It was a vision of hell. In her memoir, she writes, Our Lady showed us a great sea of fire which seemed to be under the earth. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, floating about in conflagration amid shrieks and groans of despair. Sister Lucia recounts that the vision only lasted a few moments, and when it finished, Mary said, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. Some have interpreted the first secret of Fatima as a symbol of the cataclysmic event taking place during the apparitions, World War I. By the time the Virgin Mary appeared to Sister Lucia and her cousins, the war had been ravaging Europe and parts of Africa for three years, and it proved to be one of the most destructive and deadly wars in history. 
With the advent of new technology, nations now fought with machine guns, armored tanks, airplanes, and chemical weapons. Many equated the visions of hell presented to Sister Lucia with the violence Europe had already seen during the war. Perhaps the visions were warning that there is a place even worse than the front lines. But while the first secret of Fatima could be read as an interpretation of World War I, the second secret directly referenced it. In fact, it not only mentions the Great War, but also predicts future wars that would break out sooner rather than later. The second secret reads, This war is going to end, but if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the pontificate of Pius XI. When you see a knight illuminated by an unknown light, know that this is the great sign given by God that he is about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, and persecutions of the Church and of the Holy Father. There is a lot to digest in this passage, starting with just how accurate the predictions turned out to be. For one thing, a year after the Virgin Mary's alleged appearance in Fatima, World War I ended just as the secret foretold. But there's also the matter of that other great war that was supposed to start during the time of Pius XI. At the time when Mary visited Lucia, there was no Pope Pius XI. The current Pope was Benedict XV. However, five years later, Benedict died, and his successor happened to choose the name Pius XI. Keep in mind, this happened 20 years before the prophecy was revealed. However, skeptics noted that since Lucia didn't reveal this prophecy to anyone until 1941, she could have added all of these details after the fact. And even then, there are some major discrepancies with the prophecy's timeline. Traditionally, World War II is seen as beginning in September of 1939, when Germany invaded Poland. But Pius XI died in February of 1939, seven months before the invasion of Poland. Thus, the war couldn't have started under his pontificate, as predicted. However, some theorists, like Father Andrew Apostoli, argue that the start of World War II actually began with Germany's annexation of Austria in 1938. And Apostoli uses Mary's words from the Second Secret to help make that connection. Mary said that there would be a sign of the upcoming war in the form of a knight illuminated by an unknown light. And as it happened, on January 25, 1938, an aurora borealis appeared over the majority of Europe. Less than two months later, on March 12th, Hitler marched into Austria and claimed it as part of the Third Reich. Pope Pius XI was alive during this event, and considering that the annexation of Austria sped up Hitler's plans for European domination, one could argue that the early days of the war did occur during Pius XI's pontificate. But Mary didn't just predict World War II. She also advised how to avert it. In the next part of the second secret, Mary proclaims, To prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, 
she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. Mary finished by saying, various nations will be annihilated. To the Vatican, this second part seemed to be a clear reference to the Soviet Union and their spread of atheistic communism. The prophecy seemed to say that if communism prevailed, the world would be destroyed. This prediction was quite relevant because at the time of the apparition, communist ideology was on the rise. Just months later, in November 1917, the Bolsheviks seized control of Russia. Their leader, Vladimir Lenin, was a staunch atheist who believed that religion must be a private affair, separated from the state. So when Lenin came to power in 1917, some of his earliest decrees involved doing just that. He banned religious teachings from public schools and forums and cut off the government's financial aid to the church. This was soon followed by seizing church property. Initially, Lenin stopped short of promoting violence against the religious. However, when a famine struck the Soviet Union, Lenin saw it as his chance for an all-out purge of religious leaders. In 1922, members of the Soviet secret police went to the town of Shuya to confiscate church objects. When the townspeople tried to stop them, violence broke out and 15 citizens were killed. According to historian Victor Shebestian, this moment was more or less the tipping point. For the next 15 years, the state went to war with the church. Over 95% of Russia's religious buildings, churches, mosques, and synagogues were closed. By the second year of the purge, about 1,200 priests and 30 bishops had been killed. Even more were jailed. Stories quickly spread about how one bishop had his eyes gouged out, while another was weighed down with rocks and thrown into a river. So when the second secret of Fatima was revealed in 1941, many saw it as a prediction of further religious oppression, unless the Soviets were converted as Mary instructed. But what many didn't know was that there had already been a chance to fulfill Mary's request a decade earlier, and the Vatican had ignored it. In 1929, Mary allegedly appeared before Sister Lucia again and told her that the time had finally come for the Pope and all of the world's bishops to consecrate Russia. In its simplest definition, the act of consecrating means that the Church declares an object holy. After receiving the message from Mary, Sister Lucia immediately wrote to then-Pope Pius XI to initiate the consecration of Russia. But for reasons that remain a mystery to this day, the Pope ignored the request. His successor, Pius XII, tried to avoid making the same mistake. After reading the second secret in 1942, he heeded the order and consecrated Russia to the Immaculate Heart. Kind of. While Pius XII did perform the act, he did so by himself and not with all the bishops of the world, as instructed. So, as Sister Lucia pointed out, the prophecy remained unfulfilled. 
In the years that followed, the Church consecrated Russia again, but they never performed the act properly as Mary had instructed. And during those years, the 1950s and 60s, the Soviet Union became increasingly powerful and communism spread throughout the world. This could have certainly been a coincidence, but to many, it seemed that the dire consequences Mary had warned about were coming to pass. The proper consecration of Russia wouldn't occur until the 1980s, during the pontificate of Pope John Paul II. And it wasn't the spread of communism that motivated John Paul II to finally perform the act. It was an attempt on his life. Coming up, the third secret of Fatima is revealed, raising more questions than answers. Now, back to the story. For 40 years, the Vatican knew that the second secret of Fatima called for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of the Virgin Mary. And for 40 years, the Church refused to follow Mary's instructions. In that time, the prophesied errors of Russia, namely atheistic communism, spread throughout the world. China, North Korea, Vietnam, and Cuba all became communist states. And to believers of the secrets of Fatima, it was all because Russia hadn't been properly consecrated. But in the mid-1980s, Pope John Paul II decided that the time had come to finally follow the Virgin Mary's orders to the letter. However, his reason for taking action may have been more personal than political. On May 13, 1981, a Turkish militant shot John Paul II in St. Peter's Square. Though he was struck multiple times, the Pope miraculously survived. During his recovery in the hospital, John Paul II made a somewhat unusual request. He asked to read the third secret of Fatima, which had been kept hidden in the Vatican's secret archives for almost 40 years. When Sister Lucia initially wrote down the secrets in 1941, she only revealed two of them. At the time, she refused to divulge the final secret. But in 1944, Sister Lucia fell gravely ill, and the Bishop of Laria Fatima ordered her to write down the third while she still could. Lucia obliged. However, she sealed the paper in an envelope and told the bishop not to make it public until 1960 or until her death. She claimed that only then would the world be able to understand its meaning. It's unclear if this order came from Mary or Lucia. Regardless, the envelope was given to the bishop and locked away. In 1957, the Holy Office ordered all documents pertaining to Fatima, including the sealed Third Secret, to be sent to the Vatican. Allegedly, this was to better safeguard the secrets. When 1960 arrived, the Third Secret could have been revealed as Lucia instructed. However, the Pope decided the world wasn't ready and kept it hidden. Naturally, the move raised the suspicions about what the third secret entailed. The previous secrets had pertained to the First and Second World Wars. Was the third secret a prophecy detailing World War III? 
In the early 60s, tensions between the U.S. and the Soviet Union were nearing their peak. Perhaps the Pope believed that if he shared the final secret, it would somehow accelerate nuclear annihilation. Regardless, 1960 came and went, and the third secret of Fatima remained locked away in the Vatican secret archives. It sat there for the next two decades. Each subsequent pope felt the time wasn't right to reveal it, including John Paul II. However, as John Paul II lay in the hospital after being shot, he realized the attempt on his life had occurred on the 64th anniversary of the first apparition in Fatima. From his bed, he requested to reread the third secret. And while he still felt the text of the final secret should remain hidden, he decided the time had finally come to properly consecrate Russia. On March 25, 1984, Pope John Paul II performed an act of entrustment for all people of the world in union with all the church's bishops. In St. Peter's Square, he said, in a special way we entrust and consecrate to you those individuals and nations which particularly need to be thus entrusted and consecrated. We have recourse to your protection, Holy Mother of God. Many believe that the de-escalation of the Cold War in the following years was proof that John Paul II fulfilled the wishes of the Virgin Mary. The very next year, Mikhail Gorbachev was elected General Secretary of the Soviet Union and he opened a dialogue with the United States. In 1989, the Berlin Wall, the great symbol of the Cold War, was torn down. And two years later, the Soviet Union finally dissolved. Of course, with the fall of the Soviet Union, many demanded it was finally time to reveal the third secret of Fatima. Surely, there was no longer a risk of triggering World War III. After receiving Sister Lucia's blessing, John Paul II finally decided it was time. On June 26, 2000, the Vatican held a press conference to read the third secret. But before reciting the secret, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who would later become Pope Benedict XVI, made an intriguing announcement. He said, A careful reading of the text of the so-called Third Secret of Fatima, published here in its entirety, will probably prove disappointing. No great mystery is revealed, nor is the future unveiled. Of course, many were confused by the disclaimer, considering the Vatican was adamant about keeping the secret hidden for 40 years, and that confusion only intensified once the secret was finally read. According to the Vatican, the third secret described an angel with a flaming sword appearing next to Mary. The sword seemed like it would set the world ablaze, but before the angel could destroy the earth, Mary intervened. The sword was extinguished, and the angel cried out, Penance, penance, penance. Next, Lucia and her cousins were given a vision of a bishop dressed in white walking up a steep hill. By his side were other bishops and priests. Along the way, they passed through a city in ruins filled with corpses. When they reached the top of the mountain, they stopped at a large cross. Suddenly, soldiers emerged and killed the bishop in white along with the other clergy members. 
The vision ended with two angels gathering up the blood of the martyrs and sprinkling the souls that were making their way to God. The Vatican argued that this third secret pertained to the assassination attempt on John Paul II back in 1981. The church claimed that when John Paul II read the secret from his hospital bed, he knew that he was the bishop in white and that he was saved so that he could fulfill the consecration of Russia. But still, this revelation raised more questions than answers. For decades, believers had been told that the third secret was too explosive, too consequential to share with the masses. But how was the prediction of a papal assassination more shocking than a vision of world annihilation? Some Catholics believe the Vatican wasn't telling the truth about what the letter said. They believe that after four decades of calculated withholding, the Vatican was still hiding something. One of the leading proponents of this theory is Italian journalist Antonio Socci. After a deep investigation, he published his findings in The Fourth Secret of Fatima. Socci believes that the revealed third secret is either not the real secret or is just part of the full revelation. And one of the arguments he makes is that the published letter is too long. However, there is supposedly another version of the letter that is less than half that length. The letter the Vatican claims to be the third secret runs approximately 62 lines. However, while Lucia's letter was on its way from Portugal to the Vatican in 1957, a man named Monsignor Venecio managed to take a look at it. Inside the sealed envelope was a single piece of paper with what he believed to be only 20 to 25 lines of text. So where did the extra words come from? Going even further, Brother Michael Diamond of the Most Holy Family Monastery notes that the published Vatican letter is missing Sister Lucia's signature. All of Lucia's verified letters have her signature at the end, but the letter revealed by the Vatican in 2000 just ends with the date and the place the letter was written. So why the discrepancies in length? And why the missing signature? Sochi provides a simple explanation. There are two letters pertaining to the third secret of Fatima. Sochi's theory comes from Cardinal Loris F. Capovilla, who served as Pope John XXIII's personal secretary between 1958 and 1963. He confirmed the existence of two letters, one that was housed in the Vatican archives and one that was locked away in the Pope's bedroom. If, in fact, there are two letters, it's possible that the one published by the Vatican in 2000 wasn't complete. And it's possible that the other hidden letter contains the explosive revelations that decades of popes felt the world wasn't ready to hear. If that is the case, then what could the real secret possibly be? Sochi believes that the clues necessary to unravel the mystery can be found in sermons and interviews from the Pope. In 2000, just before he announced that the Vatican was finally going to reveal the third secret, Pope John Paul II made a pilgrimage to Fatima. The purpose was the beatification of Lucia's cousins, Francisco and Jacinta. 
During the homily he gave in Fatima, John Paul II made an interesting apocalyptic reference. He said, The message of Fatima is a call to conversion, alerting humanity to have nothing to do with the dragon whose tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. The sweeping dragon tail is a direct quote from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 4. And this isn't the first time the book of Revelation has been explicitly connected to the secrets of Fatima. During one of Sister Lucia's rare interviews, she was once asked about the contents of the third secret. Lucia herself reportedly said, it's in the book of the apocalypse. Later, she specifically referenced chapters 8 through 13. Chapter 13 directly references two beasts emerging from the sea and earth, given power by the great dragon. These beasts have been interpreted to be the Antichrist and the false prophet. This then implies that the third secret of Fatima describes the coming of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is a figure specifically mentioned in the New Testament. He is described as a seducer and a trickster whose aim is to elevate himself above God. But what does the Antichrist have to do with the third secret? According to Sochi, in 1978, Father Joaquin Alonso, a Fatima archivist, interviewed Cardinal Capovilla, the secretary who confirmed that there are two letters regarding the third secret. As the interview came to a close, Alonso asked why the church refused to reveal the third secret for so long. Specifically, Alonso asked about three theories. Did the secret name specific cardinals or bishops? Did it reference some kind of scandal or crisis within the church? Or did it make another mention of Russia's influence in the world? Capovilla responded, It does not appear to me that what is involved is a motive to keep in reserve the names of persons and nations or of references of a political nature. To clarify, Capovilla denied theories one and three, but said nothing of theory two, that the secret was related to a crisis or scandal within the church. It seems possible then that the missing third secret of Fatima indicates the destruction of the Catholic Church from within, possibly by a figure like the Antichrist. If, in fact, the third secret predicted the fall of the Catholic Church, the Vatican would definitely have reason to hide it from the masses. The last thing they would want is to reveal themselves as the architects of their own self-destruction. Of course, these theories have long been denied by the Vatican. And in her final years, Sister Lucia was said to have been frustrated at the insistence on a different secret. Both she and John Paul II were adamant that the third secret really was just a prediction of the assassination attempt. But what if there was even more to that assassination attempt than anyone knew? Some believe there was a wider conspiracy behind the plot, one that involved the force at the center of all three secrets of Fatima, the Soviet Union. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with our final episode on the secrets of the Vatican. 
as we take a further look at the assassination attempt on Pope John Paul II. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Joe Guerra, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher and Nani Aquilagu, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Conspiracy Theories.